Welcome to the Newscape Higher Ed Podcast, featuring your hosts, Don Betts and Mark Stansberry. This episode is the fifth and final in a series on campus success. Previous episodes have discussed culture, creativity, collaboration and connection, and communication. In the final episode of this series, Don and Mark discuss team building. This podcast is brought to you by Newscape Higher Ed Advisors, helping university leaders effectively serve their faculty, staff, students, and community. Visit newscape.us to find out more. Welcome to another episode of Newscape Higher Ed Advisors. I'm Mark Stansbury. And I'm Don Betts. Today, we're going to be discussing team building. And Don, when it comes to team building, how to become effective in higher education, especially today in today's environment? Well, Mark, certainly have the challenges uh, before us as we've been discussing in the podcast since January. Little did we know that over a period of months, the entire world, let alone the world of higher education, was going to find itself teetering and changing in ways that no one could have forecast. But I was thinking back, Mark, as uh, we're talking, I knew we were going to talk about team building, and I went back to some early notes that I made probably in December when you and I were having these conversations before the podcast. And I was looking through the list, and I had podcast topics listed, and the very first one was building teams. And then there's a whole list power of persistence, creating your own weather, the importance of trust, et cetera, et cetera. But I asked myself as we were thinking about today's podcast, so why so why did building teams or why was team building so so prominent in what I was thinking about when we were first talking about the idea of Newscape and helping our colleagues, assisting our colleagues in times of challenge and opportunity? And I guess it comes back to this little phrase I heard a while ago and not known to everybody, sure, and that is, if you're going to play a solo game, you're always going to lose to the team. Think about all those incredible um, sports teams that we've all loved, and remember those teams that were made up of everyone was a superstar and somehow the team didn't win? I mean, it was like, how did that happen? Or you always make those, you make those calculations. These are the 10 best players, the nine, baseball, the top nine best players ever. They're on the same team. They didn't win the World Series. How did that happen? Well, the difference between being a team member and a team player. And I think that our role as board members uh, and as presidents has to do with the consistent building of teams. What makes a team effective? What makes it work? Why do some teams seem to thrive and others struggle? Why do some groups of people never become a team? There are a bunch of people sitting around a table uh, what's it like from a president's or a board chair's perspective to sit at the metaphorically at the head of the table and look down and look, say to yourself, using Stephen Covey, do I have the right people in the right seats on the bus on this situation? And the answer is sometimes the answer is no. So I think from a president's perspective, team building is an ongoing enterprise. You start the day you take the position and you do it through your entire tenure. It's not something that, okay, the team is built, it's done, I can walk away, the clock, the watch is built, it'll keep time. It's much more comprehensive, much more complicated, and much more nuanced than that, as all of us know. But I do think that the result, the payoff is, 
there comes that moment, and I think many of us who have served in these roles have seen it or felt it or knew it. There comes that moment when the team is right. There comes that moment when you say to yourself, my goodness, this really is the best group of people I could possibly have worked with on these issues at this time. When it is if the, 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 the egos got checked at the door without you asking and people step up, sit down, roll their sleeves up and begin to look in a more comprehensive way, in a holistic way at the issues and not just through the prism of their own self-advancement. When you, when you begin to build a team that has um, the institution's mission at the source of its attitude and actions, when you begin to build a team that looks to the team leader as someone that they can inherently trust and believe, and someone who evokes the best from them on a daily basis, when you can when you can think of a team that understands that nobody is better than anyone around the table, that everyone has an opportunity to make a contribution, and that each one of us encourages each other on a regular basis to reach a little bit higher than we did before for a common goal. When those factors are in fact present, and I'll use this very scientific term, magic happens. And I can only say that because I've seen it. I can only say it because I've watched it happen. Um, I have been the beneficiary of being of having that happen, and I've been proud to be a member of at least a couple times in my career when that did happen. And it's an extraordinary time. It doesn't last always, but you can build effectiveness over time with the quality that people that you select and with the way you draw them to the table, Mark, about what's important, what our mission is, what our values are, and let them know, I think, Mark, from the very beginning, that they matter and the team matters. And what they do will shape the team's effectiveness. Don, you mentioned belief, believing. Uh, I heard uh, John Wooden make remarks uh, a little over 20 years ago uh, in Los Angeles. And he brought up believing in each other. And that belief is so important from a leadership standpoint because it's not just the leader that believes in the players or the team. It's also that the team believes in the, the coach or the president of the university. That when you're setting uh, an example of standards, of vision, that they believe in you, but you believe in them, that they can carry it out. And in so doing, it takes a lot of planning. I think of also the preparing that uh, you go kind of back to basics. Right now, uh, I would say in, in whether it's uh, in, in uh, sports or whether it's music, we always go back to workouts or, or running the skills <laughs> before we actually perform. Uh, we, we have to go back to the basics each time. And that's what I'm thinking of now is that what are the basics we need to remember and go through and be disciplined on at this point in time in history? And in preparing, uh, whether it's preparing for a ball game, for a university uh, planning, or for D-Day, for example. When Eisenhower was planning for D-Day, he took he had to evaluate, reevaluate over and over again. He looked at certain dates that would, would be better than others. He looked at all the different circumstances in planning and preparing, and then in executing. Uh, but it always went back to the basics. Do we have all the basics lined up? 
so that we can perform properly? Do you have all the tools that you're going to need to be uh, the most effective uh, team around? And I think, uh, go back to one of the greatest coaches of all time, as far as college coach or otherwise, he's John Wooden. He set a, a high standard that's hard to follow, but it's a great example because he believed and he had, yes, did he have a standout player? I think we both know the name of one of those players, but it still took a team to win uh, the championships over and over again. UCLA had uh, the winning streaks because he did go back and uh, retool and tool uh, a great uh, tradition. And we have that before us today. We have uh, the, the challenges before us, the opportunities to build great teams, but we have to believe in each other. And that's why great teams uh, we see great teams come about because of that belief. Yeah, quoting John Wooden, I'm thinking of placards we had around the campus uh, evoking people to think about certain issues. And there was a, a great one from Wooden that said that that failure is not mm-hmm. fatal, but the inability to change just might be. And I think that ties up ties up very well with what you were you were just saying. And and you've you've quoted Dwight Eisenhower before in these podcasts. And I'm uh, I'm old enough. Uh, to remember him and to remember what an incredible impact he had on on global society, but uh, the dimensions of his organizational ability and his outstanding leadership were felt by the by the world's population. And and I really pleased when you when you when you raise him um, as an archetype that we should be thinking about when we talk about terrific leaders. And of course, he had to build one of the great teams of all time to accomplish what he did back on the, on the, on the team building dimensions and just a couple of things I'd like to mention here today. One is I think that you never stop building the team when a team is in place and it's going to change over time. You can have a cabinet or a group and over time the individuals change, but there is a constant development process. It's like everyone is a committed or a participant in lifelong learning. Everyone's a lifelong learner. And what's really healthy, or at least therapeutic, I think, for great teams is that they do it together, that they pass through certain learning processes, certain issues, opportunities together, and then they can, in fact, actually amplify what they've learned through the learning ability and the intellect and the insights that other people have so that I come away with understanding 50% of what I've been studying, but because of all of you, I'm understanding 85% of what I've understood. So at our institutions, we have strong emphasis on leadership development at all levels. And no matter what your title was, the leadership development never ended. And we had a sort of endless readings and book lists and articles, et cetera, constantly trying to stimulate our own thinking, but perhaps as importantly, Mark, our interaction with one another, that those those are dimensions that bring us together to have us consider issues, not always from the same perspective. One of the great dimensions of effective teams from my, from my view, and not just mine, many others, is that they don't think alike, that you have that diversity of background, diversity of cultural experience, that diversity of intellectual uh, preparation, whatever it might be, so that what you get to harvest as the leader of this team, this leadership team, is the best of all these individuals. And then you can create the new synthesis and through that maybe address serious issues that you're going to be facing as a president or the board chair. They certainly are facing right now. 
I mean, this is when you need every synapse to be snapping just at the right time in unison in terms of our common agenda. But you want people to be offering multiple perspectives on issues so that you as a leader, chair or a board or president of an institution can offer outstanding, workable, effective solutions or pathways to solutions of the problems that you face. I think a great team, and especially from a team leader, that you want the best from your team, but you also, and expect the best from the team, but you really want to make sure that the best is for your team, meaning that the, the mm-hmm. team may not be the same team as you mentioned down the road because you want the best opportunities for the team leaders and the team right. supporters. Uh, you want to make sure they have opportunities to advance, to be built up, uh, to possibly one of your VPs may but wind up being a president of another university down the road, or they take on a corporate leadership down the road. You want to see the best from as far as effectiveness, and you want them to be effective with you, but you also want to make sure that as a president or a board chair or board members, that we make sure that we provide, as we do with students, the opportunities to succeed and to uh, and to succeed in a big way for our future. And so I would say empowering. If we empower our, our support staff uh, and empower our the leadership around us as a team, I think we can go so far, much further than if we don't empower. Oh, Mark, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I That was the whole sense of what I was thinking about just a few moments ago, because that empowerment leads to bring out the very best in those that you have around you. And you're comment about uh, those people on your team might end up being the future president, et cetera. It happens all the time. And I remember working for an outstanding leader uh, and uh, one time lamenting a little bit the fact that along the way we had lost some people to other institutions and the answer came back, well, why did we lose them? Well, they, we lost them because others recognized their um, considerable leadership talents. And I, my response to this, this president, uh, who, again, I care for a great deal, was, um, what did we expect? We create a laboratory for leadership development. You're going to develop leaders. And your institution is not always capable of absorbing all of those leaders, especially as time passes and skills mature, et cetera. And I think it's a great part of the legacy of um, outstanding presidents when they have their member, their team members uh, go off to fill important leadership positions at other institutions, other walks of life in society. So there's a there's a continual learning environment and that learning creates new leadership talent and that talent sometimes finds its way into, into other places uh, and other institutions. And I don't don't have a problem with that at all. So Mark, this this team that we're building to me kind of coalesces around some of the issues we've already discussed over these weeks. One is around mission. Secondly, around values, which ties back to the mission. The uh, ever-present trust issue. I can't imagine an an effective team that's not built on trust going every which way among the players. And until that exists, you won't have that proverbial perfect team, that golden era kind of team that you're working for. There has to be a strong sense of mutual support. Each one of the members around that table, around that team, 
need to understand that part of their responsibility is not just fulfilling their immediate role, but to assist those around them to make sure that they're able to accomplish their goals as well. And again, as we talked about just a few moments ago or in an earlier podcast, communication is absolutely essential, not only from the president or the board chair, but every member of the team, it has to be there. But ultimately, the trusting relationships are going to help build the kind of effective unit that can respond in times of challenge and crisis, sometimes unprecedented crisis, in a way that allows the president and the board chair to make the successful transition to whatever that new era may be. And I think we're being tested right now as we never have before. I think there are teams that are going to thrive and show themselves to have been better than they ever thought they were. I think there will be teams and leaders that will fail and they will fail for a variety of reasons. But part of it might be that the team didn't in fact coalesce, that perhaps there were people playing the solo game instead of the team game. And another dimension of great team building is that the team building doesn't stop, from my perspective, doesn't stop at a council, a cabinet, et cetera. It becomes an institutional imperative. And that trickle-down effect you can see at institutions where have good leadership, effective leadership, um, communicative leadership, what you find is that those values and that expertise, that sense of the importance of trust and mutual support does not stop at a certain level, but finds its way down into the dimensions of the institution where everyone does their work. When that happens, getting back to our one of our very first podcasts, then you have a reinforcing culture that's going to be um, almost unstoppable. At least it's going to survive a lot longer than many of the others would. Well, we're definitely an unknown territory uh, going through the crisis. With that said, I think it's a great time for leadership um, to look for others' advice outside of uh, their own campuses. Uh, reach out to, uh, and, and, you, and most of us already have mentors to reach out to, but even beyond uh, the mentors we even have today as far as other presidents, other board members, uh, across not only across our state or states, across the entire nation, internationally even. Uh, reach out and get feedback from them. What are they doing? Uh, what are they looking for? So it's a, we talked about collaboration and connection. It's so important to stay connected, and it's a daily process now. It's not just looking at a vision uh, on occasion. It's, it's definitely looking at a vision day by day and how to incorporate what are others doing? How are they answering their, their students of what their needs are? And how can we incorporate, especially talking about the digital age we're in, digital transformation, it's, it's, we're all uh, definitely getting more accustomed to as we are remotely uh, uh, away from each other. And ex actually today, uh, uh, you know, recording the episode today, it's not what we were doing a couple of months ago. And so how do we find this comfort level and, and adapting? Uh, we're going to be adapting for quite some time. and. The, the the universities are all have their own personality. Uh, they have their own culture, but we can incorporate a lot of things from others and not feel threatened. I think right now is not the time to feel threatened by what we think sometimes is competition 
among universities, but to join hands because the ultimate goal is providing a, an education for students and for their future and to have this, this calmness, as we've talked about before, that's a calm force and keep the values in place, the trust in place that you described uh, very well. And I've, I've saw it, I saw it firsthand, your leadership, Don, on the campus, uh, campuses, and you delivered, you, you showed the trust, you showed the vision, uh, and the values and things that we've already talked about in so many different ways. But I knew you always were reaching out to other university presidents and boards and board members to get their feedback, going to conferences. Now we're probably going to have more virtual conferences. It's a virtual yeah. world we live in today. And so, but we need to keep that communication alive and well. I know you're on the, on the, on definitely uh, having conferences on virtual conferences uh, almost on a daily basis now uh, with, with individuals and with others. Uh, and so we've got to make sure we're connected. Yes. And part of the way we stay connected is to adopt an attitude regarding team and team building that's collaborative and not competitive. That sometimes is a transition for those who have not served in this sort of role before, especially if they came up through an environment where competition, which is sort of inherent in much of higher education, seems to be at the forefront. But at this point, when you get to the level of the team and the team building, it's very significant, I believe, that a collaborative ethos prevails, that you basically have a, you learn to have faith in one another, with the people that you work with, that you understand that your advancement with that group at someone else's expense is not necessarily going to advance the institution or the unit at the institution. And again, this, this has to be learned behavior because some don't start out thinking and, and acting that way. But there are no easy answers, as Ron Heifetz told us a long time ago in his books. But part of the answer has to do with realizing that you can't pull this off alone. You, you just can't. Part of stepping up, I believe, Mark, is stepping up with others. And that's where the team comes in. And again, experience of all these years has taught me and has, has uh, impressed me about how people find whole new reservoirs of their own ability and their own possibilities when they're able to leave behind what they thought they were and allow themselves to become who they could become. And I think some of that becomes expressed in the team. If the team is really fluid and connected, they're constantly learning from one another and everyone grows in the process. The institution benefits dramatically and certainly the quality of the education that we can offer uh, would be well served. So uh, team building is an ongoing exercise. You can find dozens of books written about it, whether from the corporate side or the education side, how do you build great teams, et cetera. And I could give you a, a laundry list of virtues of things to do. And we could talk about that perhaps at another time. But I think today we've really touched on some significant points. And that is that leadership, and this ties really to team, but leadership is really about relationships. And leadership is definitely about behaviors. And those two factors, relationships and behaviors, cross over on each other for the benefit, hopefully for the benefit of the institution and those they serve in teams and through teams. And the presidents and the boards 
just need to be constantly aware of the, the power and the possibility of boards, and at the same time, the constant cultivation of the talent that lies there. Don, we will be creating our pathway for the future of students uh, with team building, working together. And together, I emphasize even more than ever, because we won't be alone in this in this uh, journey. The journey ahead is going to be a challenging one, but one that we can meet if we work as a team. And uh, that means for the board to be able to, and board members to reach out to the presidents to make sure they're provided proper tools, uh, proper advice, uh, making sure they're not micromanaging along the way, uh, but being there uh, every step of the way, that that's the true team leadership and the spirit of leadership that we need today. Don, in in summarizing and giving, um, uh, say, three or so takeaways, what do you would like to provide today for the listeners? Well, Mark, I think you've touched on, and we had an opportunity to speak a little bit about some issues that may be relevant to our colleagues uh, out in the field facing serious and significant issues. And I guess I would say part of the team building that I would like them to remember is you're not alone. Uh, the team, in fact, is one of your great sources of of um, support and insight and uh, stimulation and verification that uh, we don't succeed on our own. So that team becomes incredibly important. I want to make sure that that team continues to develop and that leadership develop is intentional and ongoing and is considered by the team members to be part of the world and the, of the work and their responsibilities as they move on. And that that the teams work best when relationships are built on collaboration and not competition, and when they understand that their behaviors affect one another. The great teams will, in fact, make it possible for institutions and the leaders of those institutions to survive and hopefully thrive through the challenges we face. If not taken seriously in terms of team building, the consequences could be otherwise. Thanks for joining us for our discussion of team building and for joining us for this whole series on key factors for campus success. Make sure to visit our website at newscape.us. Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. We'll be back soon with more episodes on new topics and even with some special guests. 